I feel pretty chillaxed right here. You look really chillaxed. All right. How do you gut someone? Always trust my gut. Hello and welcome to Gutted. I'm Elise. And I'm Tony. And we're here to spill our guts about horror, horror films. films. And welcome to the podcast. This is the inaugural Patreon episode. So if you're here watching this, we really appreciate your support. Yeah, it's our very first Patreon episode. Very exciting. And, um, you know, with Patreon, we are going to start with a bonus episode every month and um, we would like to hear your input what movies should we cover yeah so leave us a comment we'll have some questionnaires on the patreon page uh, there's already a question up there right now that lists a few different episode formats so feel free to fill out that let us know which ones you prefer to hear and if there's a movie that you would like us to cover for one of our spill your gut episodes then let us know that as well. Today's film holds a very special place in our hearts, and that's why we chose it for the first Patreon film. Today we'll be discussing 1992's Dead Alive, a.k.a. Brain Dead, directed by Peter Jackson and written by Peter Jackson, Stephen Sinclair, and Fran Walsh. This will be a Spill Your Guts episode in three acts. First, we'll have a spoiler-free intro discussion, followed by a spoilerific gut spill of the film, and concluding with our award ceremony. Starting with our spoiler-free discussion, uh, and we'll let you know when the spoilers are going to begin, just in case you haven't seen this, but you <laughs> want to hear the first part of this episode, because it is the first Patreon episode. Tony... Why is this movie important to you? This movie is important to me because it was one of the first horror movies that we watched together. So this story is in our very first episode that we recorded, our intro episode. But just in case you haven't heard that one, Tony and I met freshman year in college in the dorms, I think the first week of school, everyone was walking around to each dorm room being like, hey, what's up? I'm so-and-so. How's it going? What do you like? What are you into? And during one of these visits, Tony happened to show up into my room. He saw my DVD collection, which I was very proud of. It was, <laughs> I probably had about 20 DVDs. Yeah. <laughs> Compared to now, that's nothing. But I brought my DVD collection to college and he looked at my DVD collection and he was like, oh, you have Evil Dead 2? I was like, yeah, I do. He's like, oh, cool. I was like, yeah, I know. I'm such a such a good flirter. I was very good at flirting. Were you? I don't know how to say that in a sarcastic way, but no, I wasn't. Okay, I was no. very awkward as a teenage awkward. boy. Awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Who's this boy? <laughs> Later, you know, I, I knew that Elise loved horror movies. I loved horror movies. I invited her to watch this film. Yeah, you caught me in the stairwell. I was walking with a friend and you're like, hey, Elise. I was like, yeah. Like, hey, I'm, I'm going to have a movie night in my dorm room. You want to come? I was like, Okay. And he had like barely spoken to me besides that one night in my dorm room where he was like, oh, cool. Evil Dead 2. That was all he said to me <laughs> in like this first week. And then all of a sudden he's inviting me to like a movie night. And I was like, all right, sure. You know, I get straight to the point. You yeah. want to watch a horror movie with me? Yeah. There's going to be a lot of other people there. I think we have yeah. maybe like 10. Don't get any false impressions. Like I'm inviting half the dorm. So you're not special. I wasn't smooth or suave or anything. <laughs> I just had sort of like a one track mind. I was like, all right, I like movies. My last two years in high school, I had a free reign video rental card from Hollywood Video. Mm. And we've talked about our Hollywood Video, Blockbuster Video. There was a Hollywood Video that was relatively close to my house. And I would walk over every couple of days and I would go into the horror, sci-fi and anime section. They were all right next to each other. I would just pick things at random. And, and at that time, I didn't really know a ton. I'd seen horror movies. I loved horror movies. I saw 
child's play when I was five, but it wasn't until high school that I really started to get into certain horror movies. So I'd walk down to the video store and pick one at random. I would always walk by the Dead Alive DVD and it's that image of a woman and she's kind of stretching her mouth out and there's a skull. It's yeah. a very striking, very memorable DVD yeah, it cover. It is a very recognizable DVD poster or DVD cover. And rented it one day and it, I was like, what the hell is this? This is one of the most far out horror movies or movies in general that I've ever seen. So when I got to college, of course, I want to impress I people trying to show off like, hey, I like watching Friday the 13th and Evil Dead 2. And this was kind of obs- I had not heard of Dead Alive in college. I think this was probably one of those like, oh, I'm going to show people this movie that no one's probably seen. <laughs> yeah. I'm so- obscure. Well, you know, I think you're you're 18 years old coming from different schools, maybe different states, different cities. You're trying to see where you fit in amongst this group. One way is always like see if they're into the same kind of music you're into or see if they're into the same kind of movies they're into. So when I saw that Elise had Evil Dead 2 in her DVD collection, for one, I was like, awesome. She has DVDs and she loves horror movies. Um, DVDs check. Check. Horror horror movies movies check. check. Cute. Check. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Anyways, (laughs) I was really awkward, so I wasn't like, hey, let's go watch a horror movie. I think I just wanted people to know that I thought I was cool. So this was my way of showing like, hey, I'm cool (laughs) because I am going to invite everyone to watch Dead Alive, Brain Dead, on my tiny computer monitor. Yeah. A bootleg copy, I think I had pirated it. Yeah. Don't tell anybody. I mean, that was the thing. I didn't own it. In the, I know. <laughs> we, I think we get that. We come from the Napster generation. So there was a lot of bootlegging and shitty copies of things and yeah. mislabeled things. Yeah. In the early aunts, that was quite popular. There was LimeWire. Loved LimeWire. <laughs> Winamp. Um, See, now you're just trying to show how cool you were by saying which programs you used to Winamp use. Winamp was and know. cool? <laughs> yeah, it I was. I used that longer than I should have. Winamp was great because you could use all, you could design your own skins. I don't know if you remember that. No. That was pretty cool. I just remember that I was able to somehow download whoever was in the dorm. I could download their music inventory, <laughs> the entire inventory. And I did. <laughs> I had some Ozzo Motley. I was not into Ozzo Motley. Ozzo Motley, that's... I don't know. I was like, hey, free? Okay. (laughs) I'll give it a chance. (laughs) Yet when you two put their album on your iPod for free, you got pissed. No. YouTube, put, yeah, you're right. Yeah, Sorry, I think not you. YouTube. YouTube, <laughs> common misconception in the early days of YouTube. Yeah, Bono, people thought that it was associated with YouTube. Bono from YouTube put his music on my iPod. Yeah, without asking, and I couldn't get rid of it. Yeah, nobody liked that album. That was terrible. No, and then my what iPod was stolen. So I feel like it was like I was punished. It's, yeah, you, no, you're punishing the person who stole your iPod. It's, it's, <laughs> now you get YouTube and you yeah, can't get exactly. rid of it. Ha! Huh. <laughs> Joke's on you, thief. Anyway, so my memory of that moment when he invited everyone to his dorm room, tiny little dorm room, 12 people on the bed trying to watch the movie. I think like 12 more people on the ground with like little sleeping bags and we're watching it on his tiny desktop computer screen. That was good enough. So this was actually your first time seeing the movie. It was my first time hearing of it and seeing it. Mm. And my first impression, I was just like, oh, wow, this is really trying to go overboard over the top with the gore and the splatter. And there were certain elements that I really remembered thinking, oh, that's really cute. <laughs> like the little little intestines, the little personified intestines. Yeah. They were like walking around and the lungs were like their hand, its hands. It's like, <laughs> It's so cute. Yeah. And the baby, the weird zombie baby and the rat monkey. Yeah. We really latched on to some of the characters. We did. Zombie characters. In fact, we referenced the rat monkey and the baby intestine for a long time. And that's kind of like like an inside joke. Like an inside joke. Like Tony was the rat monkey and I was the baby intestine. And that was like how we like, that was like our, you know, pairing in the movie. Like, oh, that's Tony and that's Elise. (laughs) And on the day when Tony decided to ask me if I wanted to be his girlfriend, 
he was really nervous and he was like, I don't know how to, how to ask this. And I don't, you know, I feel really awkward, like saying words. And I was like, well, just, this use- is leading into a really embarrassing story. And yeah. I urge you to stop. I was like, just <laughs> use like, you know, the, like, you know, rat monkey and intestine. Is I, was like, I was like, if a rat monkey really liked a baby intestine, yeah, then the two of them might, I don't know, want to go out and perhaps be boyfriend, girlfriend or rat monkey intestine. I don't know. Anyways, it was just. <laughs> Yes, it was silly. We it's, were it's, we were eighteen guys. <laughs> it's both cute and awkward and cringe worthy yeah. all at the same time. Very awkward. Yeah, but memorable. That sums up me as a teenager. I would say. I mean, I feel like that sums up most people as a teenager. Yeah. Is yeah. anyone really cool at eighteen? No. No. I guess there were cool eighteen-year-olds, but that wasn't us. <laughs> um, I think I always try to have the facade of cool, but I was never on the inside feeling very cool at all. Yeah. Well, hey, that's that's adolescence. Yes, okay. That's adolescence. <laughs> All right. Do you remember the first time you watched it? I watched it in high school. Um, I did like Evil Dead 2 because of its over-the-top nature, and it becomes more of like uh, slapstick as opposed to something that will actually scare you. Mm-hmm. So Dead Alive, and we're going to refer to it as Dead Alive for the entirety of the podcast. Yeah. I know it is probably more commonly known as brain dead, but we know it and have come to it as dead alive. So we're going to refer to the movie as dead alive, the U.S. name. Yeah, because we don't want to confuse it with the brain dead film starring Bill Pullman and Bill Paxton and Bill, both bills, which we haven't seen yet. We need to watch it. Yeah. yeah. So maybe that's one for the Patreon viewers to hey, maybe is suggest. That one, is that one you want to see? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, when I first saw it, it was just so over the top. You know, it's a cute love story. Mm-hmm. So it's it's got this sweetness to it. And, it, you know, it's low budget, but it's done well. It is a movie that just when you think they've gone far enough, it goes a Even little bit farther. further. It's just <laughs> Peter Jackson's way of saying we are going to gross you out. We are going to shock you. We're going to do things that haven't done, been done before. And we're going to do it as big as we possibly can. As big and as messy as possible. Yeah. And yeah. because it's so over the top, it ends up being funny and not scary. It's definitely gross. Yeah. Even when I was a teenager, that's what I liked. When you have movies that are full of gore, the colors are so saturated and red. And, you know, sometimes you'll have blood covering an entire character's face. Just visually And you can see their eyes. So, yeah, it is. it is like this... Exactly. It's like a visually stimulating, like how often are you going to see the insides of people unless you're some sort of like, I don't know, psycho murderer, serial killer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All right. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Anyways, on that note, we talked a little bit about the poster already and how iconic it is with the the woman's face and the little baby skull inside the mouth. It's kind of like video store clickbait where you go and rent this movie solely based off of the DVD VHS poster. What merch, if any, would you buy of this poster image? Oh, this one, um, if I was big into tattoos, I would probably get this tattooed on my body. Yeah? Yeah. Your back? Like, I don't know, on my arm or something. On your arm? All right, cool. So have this little face and tiny skull. I don't really have any tattoos. On your bicep. He has one, and it actually rubbed off. And it was not a temporary tattoo. Yeah, nobody needs to know or probably cares about that. I'm telling them anyway. All right. The Patreon insider Yeah, the insiders get to know that Tony's skin does not take well to tattoos. Yeah. So how about you? Are, would you get this poster? Would you put it in your dorm room after I invited you to my movie party? Are I you going like, out and buying the poster? And I feel it like if I got it right after I watched it in your room, people would call me like a faker or like a poser. <laughs> like you just watched it last week. You can't get a poster now. <laughs> you didn't watch it in high school. And there were a lot of bands like that in college where I was like, I didn't hear this until college. And you all heard it in high school. But I still eh, like all it. that's a bunch of BS I teenager know. stuff. Well, but you still you're concerned with that when you're that age. You're like, oh, man. Well, how about now? How about today? You're in the All dorms. All right. I'm in the dorms today. Well, we are, we're always asking about like if the, we'll put this poster up in our dorm room. All right. I will put this in my podcast room. In your podcast room. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll put the poster in my podcast room. I would get a sticker for sure. Yeah. I'll get the poster and a sticker. <laughs> yeah. So rating Maybe, this one pretty high. You know what? 
I would get a t-shirt because this movie now is pretty sentimental to me. So I would definitely get a t-shirt of Dead Alive. Yeah, I would too. Yeah. Haven't seen any, but I would get one. Yeah. I saw one. I'm sure we can find it out there on the internet. You know, I don't like looking for it. I don't like searching for it on purpose. I want to stumble upon it. <laughs> like, yeah, that's for me. Yeah. So now we're moving on to our second portion of this episode. We are getting into spoilers. Uh, so this is the warning. You are warned. Uh, if you haven't seen Dead Alive, um, it is kind of tough to find. It's not on any streaming platforms and the DVD is out of print. Do like a little uh, bootleg action. No. Or. You wait. <laughs> yeah, I'm really hoping for like a really nice 4K box set of this. Box set? You know, like with all with, the like, extras. Bad taste and no, 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 oh. not at all. And, <laughs> and not and, at all? No. Um, <laughs> I'm saying no meet the feebles like a collector's edition 4k usually has a lot of featurettes a lot of Mm. cool artwork I would gobble that up so let's get into uh to this movie let's get into dead alive so early 90s um set in New Zealand the director you may have heard his name a guy who goes by the name of Sir Peter Jackson was he knighted he might have been I think I was supposed to look that up and I remember hearing about that in the news way back in the day maybe they're just very respectful Sir, Sir Peter Jackson. I believe he was knighted because he is probably the most famous director from New Zealand. Um, Now, Elise has gone on record several times and has called the film about jewelry boring. Twice. I said it twice. (laughs) They are quite long, but you can't Uh, deny that when they came out, they were epic and we hadn't seen movies like that. I was actually a pretty big fan of those movies. Oh, you were? When they came out. Oh, I was not. Now, I think maybe, yeah, I'm I'm over it a little bit. Like, I didn't see any of the Hobbit series or anything like that. You know, I think at that time when they came out, Everybody was so into them that I naturally wanted to not be into them. Yeah. Hopefully this doesn't get us a lot of hatred. I know. But these are, yeah, I guess. If you signed up for Patreon, please don't unsubscribe immediately after this. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, those movies fall more into this sort of like epic fantasy. Maybe that's just not our genre. Yeah, our genre is horror. Thing. We need splatter. We need gore. Yeah. Um, but it, I do always think that it's cool that Peter Jackson did these splatter gore comedies he called them a splat stick splat stick they totally are just splat stick stick. oddball crude and grotesque and then after that goes on and does these big mainstream movies that get really serious there's some gore in them too like there's action sequences and orcs getting beheaded well yeah there's gore but they get serious they're no longer in that comedy realm yeah so dead alive is his third film he did bad taste it's a low budget alien comedy splatter thing Uh, took him four years to make and then he did meet the feebles really pushing the boundaries as far as crude sexualization of puppets (laughs) yeah should we get into it yeah all right What's happening in this movie? So. All right. So we open up on Skull Island uh, in south southwest of Sumatra uh, in 1957, which I did not know that it took place in the 50s. It's a period piece. <laughs> I think that's something that goes over your head because of what's to come. You just forget about all of that sort of backstory. Because and everything is so. Set. Yeah, everything is so absurd that why not? Why not have all these people wearing these vibrant colored dresses and suits and quirky eyeglasses? Mm-hmm. But now that I think about it, I'm like, oh, OK, yeah, that is 50s apparel. Yeah. Interesting. So there's a zoologist who tries to capture the exotic Sumatra rat monkey. <laughs> and he gets a little close doing whatever he's doing and the rat monkey scratches him. And then the um, the local people who are helping him, they notice that he's been scratched. They know this rat monkey is cursed. Yeah, it is carrying this plague. Then the local people, they're yeah, like yeah, they're like Zengaya. Zengaya or Zendaya. Zengaya. Zendaya is that actress that was. That's why I thought maybe she was named after. (laughs) That would have been amazing if she was named after. Her parents are big fans of Dead Alive. (laughs) (laughs) So they they chop off his hand to try to stop the spreading of the disease, and then you know they um, they notice that his he's got a scratch on his forehead. So of course the head dead. Yeah, decapitated. So right away we're starting off with just like severed limbs and decapitations. Comedic severing of heads. Yeah. 
So it ends up in the zoo in New Zealand, Wellington, New Zealand. And yeah. we we meet our main characters, Lionel Cosgrove. Lionel Cosgrove, where the filmmakers constantly refer him to as a man attached to the apron strings of mother. <laughs> they said that several times. I've never heard this phrase. Well, yeah, he is mommy's boy and mommy has control over. Very tyrannical. Him. She is also a terrible human being. I would I would argue worse than the zoologist constantly yeah. screaming at him she has that great line at one point where she's like Lionel get the get the exterminator this place is infected and the way she did oh <laughs> wow I really messed it up anyways <laughs> the way that she says it, it always kind of like it makes me laugh every time I see yeah, it yeah because it sounds like she has like a mouthful of marbles this place was infested it kind of reminds me of Tim Curry's Franken Frankenfurter dialect I always thought that if you were somehow able to detach your front teeth from your lower jaw, you can make the sound. You can sound like the way that she oh, like talks. your bottom front teeth, and like her her lower jaw is just like really unhinged jaw, something like Ooh, that. Yeah, a little loose. Yeah. So, mum, and her name is Vera. Vera. And she sends Lionel off onto an errand or something, and he shows up at the grocery store, and there we meet Paquita. Paquita. Our love interest. Yes. And she's Uh, the store clerk's daughter. I think Lionel and Paquita even have a little brief interaction, and she's slightly rude to him. She's like, ugh, whatever. And I'm like, aw, she's mean. Very cold. Very cold to him. He's kind of awkward and bumbling. Awkward and bumbling, but still kind. And deserving of kindness so i don't know paquita kind of um so you're not a paquita fan i mean i i ended up liking paquita paquita but in the beginning i was like hey your reasons for liking lionel are kind of skewed they're well she already had she has another guy who's kind of um another one of her interests isn't he like a pharmacist I don't know what he is, but he's kind of like, you know, more masculine, good looking, tall, blonde he's, guy. He's got a job that makes a lot of money. I think he's a pharmacist. Everything changes when there's this little tarot card session going on in the background where Paquita's mom is reading her fortune. She's like, you're going to find a, a dark night. Lionel does something to where she connects the dots and she's like, oh, it's him. Yeah. So now she's attached to Lionel. She's like, this is the guy. This is the sign that he gave me. And she immediately changes her too. And she's like, okay, I like you now. (laughs) That's when I was like, oh, Paquita, so fair weather. (laughs) And I love this, um, her interaction with Lionel where she's flirting with him. She tricks him into going on a date. Yeah, she's like, I want to go with the zoo. And he's like, you want to go to the zoo? She's like, yes, please. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, she's smart. They go to the zoo. Yeah. Where they encounter the rat monkey. The rat monkey. They're on their first date. And of course, mom is super jealous. She's like, what? There's another woman in your life and it's not me. So she follows them to the zoo. She huffs over to the zoo and oh. she's spying on Incognito. Them. She has her sunglasses on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're and they're looking real cute. Unbeknownst to mom, there's a, a rat monkey by her ankle. It takes a swipe at her arm and she has this nasty open wound and she screams yeah. and they hear it across the zoo. She lets out the most heinous scream. <laughs> 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 Yeah. And um, the this is another great moment where as soon as she's scratched, she uh, sees the, the rat monkey and she just stomps it with her shoe. Yeah. And it like it's like eyes bulge out and balloon and kind of pops. Yeah. The eyes look like big blueberries. She kills that rat monkey. No more rat monkey. The rat yeah. monkey also, we should mention, is a stop motion rat monkey. So it's the way oh, they created yeah. the character was um, through stop motion. So it just looks off and kind of funky. I think it Very makes it lovable, makes a little though. creepier. So, of course, Lionel and Paquita, they hear mom because everyone hears mom. But Lionel is like, oh, that's mom scream. No, that scream anywhere. So they rush to her aid and uh, they see that she's bit. They they whisk her home and Lionel immediately turns into her caregiver and is treating her open wounds that are just pustules erupting <laughs> constantly. It gets really grotesque where like her skin's flapping off her, her skin's face flapping and he's off. trying to super glue it back on. Yeah, he's like, hold on, hold still. <laughs> He's taking care of mom. Yeah, very sweet. The child becomes the parent. She has some guests over for dinner and she's not well and she's clearly just sweaty and gross. This is to me one of the grossest scenes in the movie. Like all the the guts that are splaying around, that's nothing. This (laughs) 
dinner or this lunch scene where they're eating soup. There's a kind of unctuous man that's there who just can't get enough of whatever they're serving and he's gobbling everything up. Uh, the mom is just dripping her fluids into this <laughs> soup and it's like red mixing with like a kind of like a milky white or something and it's just like and all the sound effects are very squishy yeah and she's eating it and i think her ear falls in the soup and she's like um, chewing on her ear at one point <laughs> yeah i think some of her fluids get into the the man's soup and he eats that too yeah disgusting and she's ill so they call over nurse mctavish this is the first bite that we get that where it's starting to, yeah. uh, to spread. Mom is patient zero and then she bites the nurse. Because she actually does die and then she comes back zombified. Yeah, so she dies and Lionel takes her to the cemetery and buries her. Yeah, they have a full funeral, full bury her, all funeral, that. funeral, there's a priest and everything and then a bunch of punks come. Yeah. Literal punks. And Lionel's over there trying to, so he, he's over there because he's trying to um, tranquilize mom. Because he knows that she's not going to stay dead. Uh, I I think it's really funny and very cartoony that he's like, I'm going to give them tranquilizer so that they go to to bed. Go night night. Just kind of forget about the problem. Yeah, the, the, the punkers come and. Well, not punkers in the 50s. They're greasers. They're greasers. Yeah, they're not bunkers. It's fifty-seven. They're like this is. They're like grease lightning. So the greasers are there. <laughs> greasers. They're there to just you know be no good nicks. Yeah. The priest luckily is also there and he has some skills. We get one of the more famous lines from the movie. This is like everyone's favorite. The everyone's priest, favorite line. Father Magruder. 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 And he's there to kick ass for the Lord. Yeah, but you didn't do it right. You have to do do the impression. I'm going to kick ass for the Lord. I'm going to kick ass for the Lord. I kick ass for the Lord? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, can't do it. It's everybody's favorite moment, and then he starts doing some martial arts. I kick ass for the Lord. He is kicking ass, but he he's really quickly dispelled and dies. I, when I saw this again, I was like, I didn't realize he died so quickly. Very quickly. Yeah, he's impaled on like a... I don't know, a headstone or something, an angel. <laughs> yeah. Poor guy. He's not even bit, but wait, somehow he gets He does bit. get bit, yeah. He gets bit and impaled. So that sucks. Lionel has to take home father zombie and greaser zombie. Yeah. So Ly- Lionel's problem is quickly mounting up. He has Multiplying. four or five zombies now in his Zombie basement. kids. And he's taking care of them too. He's feeding them breakfast. Yeah. And he's trying to keep them all in order. He's trying to make them have manners and use utensils. Meanwhile, Paquita's like, why'd you ditch me? We were at the zoo and you just left in a huff. And he's like, I got a lot my plate i'm busy yeah he's just uh, inherited four kids right and she comes over and he's trying to hide the fact that everybody's sick it's a total comedy of errors and then his pervy uncle shows up at one point uncle less yeah this guy also like just terrible character disgusting and uncle less finds out i think uh because he hears moanings of passion happening from the kitchen he wants the inheritance he wants the house i want the house yeah Mine now. So when he goes over to kind of bargain, that's when he discovers that Lionel is hoarding these zombies. Yeah. And he's like, if you want to keep this quiet, then you better give me the house. Yeah. So basically blackmails him. Yeah. He's just like, whatever. Like, I'm yeah. dealing with this other problem. Take got, whatever you I want. I have bigger problems. Two of my zombie kids just had a baby. <laughs> yeah. Take the house. Yeah. we So we get some zombie sex. The we get zombie nurse and zombie priest. They a bunch have of sex. other great scenes. The zombies are are all sitting at the table and they're they're acting like babies they're yeah. acting immature and childish the greaser zombie um known as void lionel gives him a spoon here's your eggs and he shoves the spoon into his mouth and with such force that it comes out the back of his head yeah so a bunch of little effects that are the things that make this movie so fun and so funny and poor <laughs> lionel just bopping around the whole time he has a great haircut for this movie because it's so floppy it just really exaggerates his panic i liked his hair in this movie (laughs) he definitely reminds me of tim roth he has that sort of look 
Yeah, kind of like a like a Tim Roth meets Pee Wee Herman. That's like the end of problem number one is like, you know, people are becoming zombies. And then we get our second problem. Pervy Uncle Les gets to be the homeowner. So what does he do? First day as homeowner, he invites a whole party over. Uh, it's a rager. It's too. a rager. It's like 40 people. Yeah, there's like 50 people there. And I think by that point, all the zombies are in the basement. They are locked in the basement. And I think Lionel gets locked in the basement, too. Well, he gets <gasps> pushed in by Uncle Les. And this is when he discovers that the zombie baby is a thing zombie baby is very creepy i would say like if there's something that is scary one is zombie baby and then the other one is um zombie vera zombie, Zom- zombie mom at the end creepy, yeah yeah but zombie baby i don't even know how to describe this face but it's like it doesn't look like a baby. It's like if you take a Cabbage Patch doll and you put it in the microwave for like 30 <laughs> seconds. It just melts slightly, gets a little puffy, a little shinier. And it has like a permanent grin and it's permanent always it's laughing like. <laughs> yeah. Paquita shows up and she's trying to talk to Lionel and pervy Uncle Les sees Paquita. He's like, oh, you're cute. And he shoves Lionel into the basement and then tries to abscond with Paquita into the kitchen. And you're like, oh, he's very bad dude he's not just obnoxious he's like a um he's, uh, be in prison. he's, a, he's a little rapey and needs to go to yeah, jail he's a terrible human being yeah and you know because this is an over-the-top movie and everyone's kind of this sort of stereotype there's not much depth to any of the characters yeah. they're all very one-dimensional yeah but you know i don't think it's we're watching the movie well, for the characters we're just like uncle less He's a bad person. Yeah. We don't like him. Yeah. His one motivation is to be bad and gross. And he is. So yeah, and he, and he gets it. Paquita does discover Lionel's secret. She goes into the basement and sees that Lionel is hoarding these zombies down there. So she goes over to rummages through the basement and finds some poison. And she wants Lionel to use this big ass cartoon syringe to put these creatures out of their misery. And he does only to find out that the poison he tried to give them was animal stimulant. Yeah. So at this point, they're like super zombies and then they bust through the doors during the party. And now we get to party mayhem. Yeah. The total chaos. And this is where you get the majority of all the blood and the guts and, and the fun. Yeah. Now it's a fun party. Now yeah. it's a little <laughs> literal rager. And we have all of our side characters are there. Void and Father Magruder. Mm-hmm. Nurse McTavish is there. Yep. Zombie Baby's there. This is when we get Baby Intestines. I forget who Baby Intestines even comes from, but someone gets chopped in half and then we get Baby Intestines. <laughs> Adorable. And I would say at like peak bedlam, that's when Lionel bursts open the front door. He's like backlit. It's nice ray of light behind him and he has the lawnmower the famous lawnmower the famous lawnmower and he says this party's over yeah this party's over yeah this party's over (laughs) and he turns on his lawnmower and he hacks everyone up and i love his head bobble as he's trying to hack through this crowd of zombie people it's just like bobbling around (laughs) that's why i'm saying his hair really comes into play yeah the hair is definitely sells it yeah it really sells how you know like chunky these bodies are yeah he's really trying to get through them yeah yeah ton lots of blood lots of guts we are ramping up towards the end of this movie this is like kind of the climax here uh but we have seen a lot of great deaths what are some of your favorites definitely the one where the zombie baby rips through the face that is definitely one that always sticks with me i like the one with the the woman in the kitchen she uh i think she gets shoved against a light bulb so she's kind of like a jack-o'-lantern zombie and the light keeps turning off and on and you can like see her her mouth and the eyes lighting up she's on there for a while and she's just like wiggling around and yeah she's this lantern and she is on there for quite a while at least <laughs> 10 minutes mm. um then there's the uh, the guy who's kind of decapitated at the mouth and his head falls onto the floor and gets kicked around like yeah, uh, just by sliding around yeah like a little soccer ball yeah and that's I, a that was a really cool effect too. it was cool because you also get his pov sliding around the floor yeah and at times you see him like an up close shot of him and he's just kind of blinking around and you feel really bad for him he's like oh, i didn't ask for this <laughs> i don't mean to be on here down here with my teeth bearing and ready to chomp you 
Anyway, I liked him. He's one of my favorites. There's also that great scene. This is actually only this is Uncle Les's only good scene because um, he's otherwise just like so despicable. You're just like, ugh, like come on, like somebody kill this guy yeah. already. Where he he uh, takes action and he grabs two meat cleavers and it's like in fast motion. He's <laughs> chopping up zombies. Yeah, and there's That's like a good. whole pile of, of bits afterward. That was good. <laughs> the zombie baby intestines that I think they come from Void. I Void don't gets remember it. where mm. the zombie intestines come from, but they're so cute. And there's a scene when Lionel has his little lawnmower or something. It's like the last thing that he hasn't chopped yet. And they're on the ground and it's like the esophagus is talking and the lungs are going up into like a little prayer motion. Like, please don't. Don't chop me. <laughs> and then he chops them anyway. So sad. Yeah. Oh, and Paquita is shoving a bunch of people into a blender that has amazing staying power. She's putting whole arms and legs into this blender and whole head. I think the guy's head that I mentioned, the he ends up in head. the blender. Zombie baby kind of ends up in the blender, but gets out. It kind of like bounces out. It bounces out. The intestines, I think, do they end up in the blender No. As well? Okay, the first, I always thought the intestines ended up in the blender, but they don't. No. I think Lionel chops them with the lawnmower. <laughs> and with that, we're, we're coming towards the end and our pervy uncle Les gets killed by mom zombie who is just getting bigger and bigger with this animal stimulant and the way that we see uncle les die it's through silhouette um because he has one of the most brutal deaths yeah but we just see the silhouette of him dying getting ripped apart his head is pulled off his body so efficiently that his whole spinal column comes with it and while they had so many good effects in the movie this is probably one that would be really hard to pull off I, as an I, effect. I think they could have done it i just think they wanted to show something else you know and i thought it was really creative how they showed it in silhouette form yeah and at this point we get to see um zombie vera in her fullest full full body glory and she's, she has a very full body <laughs> yeah <laughs> she's uh what are very she's voluptuous thick. she's a thick girl <laughs> yeah very voluptuous booty belly and boobs very lumpy she kind of looks like a lumpy dinosaur with a big booty and boobs it's like a lumpy t-rex they captured her teeth actually very well where they're kind of sticking out a bit but more like a caricature form of her teeth yeah yeah <laughs> and she can still articulate she's like oh come to mommy <laughs> Very articulate zombie. So a lot of the zombies yeah. aren't really talking by this point, but she is. I think because she's like patient zero. She is the mother of all zombies. She is the mother. Yeah. And they end, the house gets lit on fire. Paquita's on the roof, but Lionel is in the attic and he discovers mom's secret. He just ends up there somehow. I think he just like in the chaos of things. Somehow he, he's up there. He finds family photos that mom kept for some reason. And he finds out that mom is actually a serial killer. Well, uh, father is an adulterer and he kept some photos of him making out with some lady and then getting hot and heavy on a picnic blanket. For some reason, Mommy Vera kept these. I don't know. She also evidence. kept the skeleton of she, the mistress. She's very sentimental. She, <laughs> <laughs> she didn't want to let go of those memories. And then Lionel's like, oh yeah, he flashes back to his childhood when Mama Vera is drowning the mistress in the bathtub. While Lionel's right there. Yeah, and Lionel has like a single tear. He's like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, this, so, yeah, there's some serious issues going serious on Serious trauma. Here. He blocked it out, understandably, and now it's resurfaced and he ends up on the roof and Mama Vera is trying to kill uh, Paquita. She's like, oh, get away slut. from my son. You slut. Get away from my son. And he's like, don't you talk to her that way. Yeah. He's like, I'm not afraid of you. And he has the, the you know. Very classic moment that our protagonists have in horror movies where they have to realize their own power yeah. and declare to the villain that they're not afraid of them. Zombie Vera, she manages to like knock Paquita off the side. She's she's about to fall. She's kind of like holding on. She engulfs Lionel. She's like, come to mother. And he slides into her belly <laughs> and her belly opens He's up. back in the womb. Yeah, her belly opens up to receive her son back into the womb. Luckily, 
Paquita had a giant medallion that she bequeathed to Lionel. Yes. Also set up in the beginning of the film. Yeah. So it's it's the the star pendant that is supposed to protect him from evil. Yeah, she it's gives giant. It's not a, not a tiny pendant either. <laughs> it's like the size of a face. And he uses that to burst out of her belly. Yeah. He gushes out onto the roof in like a chunky sea of membrane and he is reborn as a new man ready to stand up to mum. <laughs> so he gets to have his rebirth. Fire department shows up. We get a scene of zombie baby crying in the burning house. Yeah. Does so, zombie baby survive? Zombie baby is quite uh, a survivor and yeah. nimble. Yeah. I mean, zombie baby did seem to be at like a low point at this moment because zombie baby was in the house crying and seemed a little helpless. <laughs> Maybe but, zombie you know, baby if, gets saved. If they were to do a sequel of Dead Alive, I could see zombie baby surviving mm, this whole ordeal. All right. And in the end, the fire department's there. Mom falls back into the fiery pit of the house. And we have Lionel and Paquita. Fully covered in fully blood. Fully covered in blood, but holding hands. They kiss and, and walk off Lionel's the... about to throw the, the pendant into the fire. Paquita's like, oh, no, don't. He's like, nope, we're not saving this. And he throws it into the fire. <laughs> they walk off. Hand in hand. Happily ever after. Happily and bloodily ever after. What a lovely love story. And that is Dead Alive. That's Dead Alive. In a very large mum belly sized nutshell. Now let's get into our third portion of this episode. We have um, questions and awards ceremony. Uh, What would you say this film reminds you of? The obvious thing is that it has similarities to Evil Dead 2 Mm -hmm. and that it's very bloody. It's very over the top. It's got that element of slapstick and um, it's more of a comedy than a horror. It's like a gross out horror comedy yeah, um, or splatter horror. Mm -hmm. That's one of the reasons why I have always liked this movie is because it does end up becoming like a gory cartoon. Yeah, it is gory fun. Practical effects. You're in awe over all of the tons of different decapitations and dismemberments and anthropomorphizing of intestines. So cute. Would you say, because it is so splat sticky and funny. So splat sticky. Thank you, Peter Jackson. And funny, would you say that this would be appropriate for kids who Um, are uh, interested uh, in horror (laughs) appropriate for kids interested in horror what age would you allow like if like it was like your nephew or niece or something what age would you start letting them see this i don't know that's it's tough to say i mean i was 17 when i first saw it it was very tame for me at that time Mm -hmm. i think if i had seen it when i was 12 it'd probably still be okay I probably wouldn't have been scared. I probably would have been more entertained. I don't want to force these kinds of movies upon kids or teenagers. Well, no, you don't want to like sit them down in a chair like Clockwork Orange style and force them to watch it. But if they are kids like us that were interested in horror, like I loved Leprechaun when I was in third grade and I, I loved playing Leprechaun. Yeah. So if you so if you saw this movie when you were in third grade, would it have scared you? I don't think it would have scared me. And this is one that I could see having rented whilst staying at my aunt's house with my cousins. And this would have been one that we would have laughed heartily at. And yeah, there is a sex scene. It's very tame and over the top with like, you know, lips being peeled off as they kiss each other. And so it almost like it takes these adult themes, but hyperbolizes them in a very cartoonish fashion. Yeah. So I could see us watching this and just laughing. Yeah. I I would say like for me as a teenager, I'd be like, yeah, that's fine. But I I think for like other kids as teenagers, I'd be like, I don't know. If I watched this as a third grader, I'd be like, yep, I watched that and I'm cool. And I wouldn't tell my mom and I would tell her later and be like, it was fine. That's the thing. I think I would be like, no, you can't watch this. But if the kid watched it, then it's like, it's don't watch this. Wink, wink. Like, I'm I wouldn't not, even do that. Just like, like I'm not going to let I'm not going to say you can watch this. Yeah. But if you watched it, I secretly wouldn't care. <laughs> Fine. I'm never being allowed to babysit anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that is uh, a valid question because um, so many horror fans have come into horror movies at a young age. And I, d- I don't know what the rules are with parents and when they allow their 
kids to watch certain horror movies. And every kid is different. Exactly. Yeah. Every kid is different. And every, we all have different things that we had nightmares of. Some things are very random that we had nightmares of from when we were little. Like I had nightmares from certain kid cartoons, whereas I didn't have nightmares from watching Scream Bloody Murder. I mean, that one is a little more disturbing. So maybe that says something about you. What? (laughs) No, say something about cartoons. Cartoons are scary. Cartoons were, uh, yeah, I mean, old cartoons, cartoons were and, like, the very... the 80s and 90s were actually pretty creepy. They were, yeah. They yeah. they were basically slashers. Uh, is this one that you feel like uh, didn't age well, or do you think it's still aging and doing well? Um, I would say that it is a classic and that any audience of any um, generation would find it entertaining. All right. Would you say it's more like a fine wine? That gets better with time? Uh, or it's just as good as it was back then? Just as good as it was back then. Okay. I guess that's almost like three categories for, for movies that came out a while ago. It's the kind that don't age well, the kind that are just as good as they were back then, or the kind that actually get better with age. If I were to say it got better with age, then for me that would mean that I didn't like it as much when I saw it yeah. earlier. So it's not that. It's... Just as good as when I saw it. Just as good as it was back then. Yeah. Every time I see this movie, it, it give, it's fun. It's just a fun movie to watch. So it's like chocolate. It's like chocolate. It's yeah. like honey. You know, honey's always good. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't go bad. Honey uh, never goes bad. Pumpkin, honey, or wine. Mean? Pumpkin oh, means it was, yeah, it was cool at the time, but then it got kind of wrinkly and the more, the longer you kept it around, it just got kind of moldy and weird. <laughs> kind of like hostile. Do you agree that it's... You know, I think that this probably is like a honey, you know, like it's just as good as it was back then. Mm. Uh, It was enjoyable back then. It's enjoyable now. There's um, few things in it where I'm like, that doesn't age. Well, a lot of things don't Uncle Les. Uncle Les, but I think he was meant to be unsavory at that time as well. Yeah. So he was meant to just be gross from the get go. But there are some movies that we watch that were from a different time. And you're like, okay, it's a product of its time. We have to remember that. I don't think this is one of those. I think this one is, it's honey, you know? Yeah. It's just as good as it was back then. Yeah. All right. And now our award ceremony, our golden gut. Tony, who or what is going to get the golden gut for this film? What one thing, actor or element do you think stands above everything else? This one is pretty easy for me. It always has been the golden gut goes to the lawnmower scene. So it's as soon as it comes on, it just brings me such joy. Yeah. There's Lionel with the lawnmower just chopping through zombies and he's his head's bobbling around like you were mentioning earlier. And there's just blood flying everywhere. I think I read something that they had to pump five gallons of fake blood per second out of this lawnmower. That sounds like a lot. Mm-hmm. I want to, I wonder if it's per minute, but I don't know. Maybe blood splatters or water and all that. Splat, well, splatters we, watched pretty quick. A, we watched a little interview from the nineties that said per minute. So I feel like it's not per second. <laughs> so, I don't know. It was a lot of blood. It was a lot of blood. And I think for a long time, this could have carried the crown as the most blood used in a film ever yeah it has thus been completely shattered i mean maybe the shining even um, had more blood whole elevator yeah but that's just one scene and just a big splash right yeah um there are other movies that had some pretty bloody elements to it kill bill comes to mind oh yeah ichi the killer but i think that was more of like cgi what about adam's family too Adam's family too. Yeah, when Wednesday and Pugsley are putting on the play, and they get they're putting on like some Shakespearean play, their arms get chopped off. <laughs> yeah, but I don't. I wouldn't say that's thousands of gallons of blood. I know. I just like that part. This and and Dead Alive in um, the final scene where Lionel's gushing out of his mom's wound, womb, womb. Um, that scene alone was 80 gallons of fake blood. I think I read somewhere that they used over a thousand gallons of fake blood in making this movie. But then I read that in the Evil Dead reboot, they used 50,000 gallons oh. of blood, fake blood. Okay. I don't know what's Someone's going on here. Someone's just trying to one up another. Yeah. <laughs> How about you? What are you giving your Golden Gut Award to? You know, it's close. And it also comes between two scenes. Uh, 
I really like the scene with Lionel and the baby in the park <laughs> where he's trying to do what the other moms are doing with their babies. <laughs> and it's just such a perfect choreographed uh, scene of slapstick physical humor on Lionel's behalf and the baby. And when he's like punching and kicking the baby and all the, the faces of the onlookers are like, hmm, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> totally underwhelming of what they should be doing, uh, but still so funny. But I have to give it to that lawnmower scene because it is actually so visually stimulating from the moment he opens that door and you can see the light behind him and the zoom in on his face. And you could tell he's really transforming as a character in that moment. He's taking charge in a very assertive way for for one of the first times in the film. Yeah. And then you get the great moment of him trying to mow through this crowd of party people. It's a wonderful scene. So, yeah, it goes to. The lawnmower scene as well. <laughs> Good time. Mm -hmm. All right. Next award, we have the best intestines. Who gets the award for the best, saddest, or most gut-wrenching gut death? And there are a lot to choose from. There are a lot to choose from. I'm going to let you go first. <gasps> what gets the best Thank intestine? you. Okay. I've thought about this a lot. The best intestines go to... The intestines. <laughs> I had a feeling that that's what it was going to be. The little intestine baby with the lung hand mittens. I still can't believe he did it. He should just adopted the baby intestines and <laughs> raised them like his own. Like put the intestines in one of those cat backpacks and just yeah. walk around with it. Yeah. Travel buddy. Cute. Those intestines were um, they caused a lot of havoc. Yeah, but that's because it was a child not having a good influence, didn't have a good upbringing. It came from that greaser's body and the greaser was not the best kind of person. So who knows what he was eating his whole life? Uh, yeah, very gaseous. Could have been gaseous. So he needed um, some more nurture. He was just all nature at that point. <laughs> who gets your award for best intestines? I think I'm going to give my word for the best intestines to Father Magruder. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And only because he was so badass in that fleeting moment and then just gets offed immediately. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, he did make a cool zombie, but I wanted to see some more Father Magruder ass kicking. I want to see him um, kicking and chopping and punching all of the zombies and just whooping more ass for the Lord. Yeah. You know, I like that because out of all the characters that died, he was the one that was like, oh, he's dead already. Dang it. <laughs> I thought he was cool. I wish that he would have remained as a human character for a longer. Just a little longer. It's going to get my best intestines. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. All right. The axe. What one element or character would you cut from the film? Oh, that one is also super easy. Um, I am going to cut Uncle Luke. Uncle Pervert. Wait, yeah. what's his name? Uncle Les. Oops, that's what I say. Luke. Luke, where did I get that from? <laughs> uh -huh. Okay, I, I am going to cut Uncle Les. He is just the most despicable character. Yeah, he progresses the plot because he's the one who invites all the people over for the yeah. party. And if it weren't for him, we wouldn't get the awesome lawnmower scene, mm -hmm. gore effects and stuff. He does get punched in the groin, I think Three like times. four or five yeah. times in the last scene. But, you know, he's just gross and yeah, I'm so, going to ax him. You know, sometimes he is a little too pervy. I think they could probably cut some of his, you know, pervier scenes. He could still be obnoxious and overbearing and you do need someone to antagonize our main character into progressing the plot forward. Mm -hmm. So I do think he's kind of essential because by that point, mom is just upstairs bedridden for most of the movie. Mm -hmm. So you kind of need a secondary villain. But yeah, I do think some of his perviness could have been tailored, edited. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would actually give the ax to the score. The score? You didn't like the wistful doo 
It was very nice and romantic. It and was wistful. one of those scores that seemed to be on for the entire movie. Oh, yeah. And at times I felt myself getting kind of drowsy because it was just on in the background the entire movie lulling me to sleepiness. Yeah. So there was a moment where I was just like, ah, turn that song off. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I wonder, because I've seen this in um, lower budget horror films, even more contemporary films, yeah. where they have this kind of um, lulling score yeah. throughout the entire film with no breaks. And I'm wondering if maybe that's a way to hide some of the audio mistakes. Oh, maybe so. Yeah, it reminded me of the score to the one with um, Baby Oopsie. Demonic, demonic toys. toys. Yeah, it reminded me of like the first two Demonic Toys movies. I remember in those movies, they have the score on the entire time. And maybe you're right. Maybe it is a way to kind of mask any audio flaws. Man, there are parts where it's just kind of lulling me. I was like, get, just get it out. It. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, but there's score. enough gore and there's enough um, visual effects to, to keep me awake. Yeah. yeah. So you don't need the score to like to bring me in. I don't need the score for that reason. Have it in a few moments. Like it was great in the baby scene in the park because it really amped up the cartoonish flair. But for the entire movie, nah. <laughs> Edit that. Uh, all right. I have a new category. Oh, okay. What's the new category? The second kidney. The second kidney? Yeah. Which character? <laughs> Does that mean the first kidney has been donated or stolen? No, the second kidney gets to go off somewhere. This, oh, this, this second is kidney is being donated to something or stolen. else. Or stolen. Or stolen another, to another film or franchise. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so which character would you like to see in a sequel or spinoff? Um, I think that's going to go to Zombie Baby. Because I, I think that of all the characters, um, there we didn't really get a finale to the Zombie Baby. We yeah. saw Zombie Baby crying in the burning house, but mm -hmm. that zombie baby is pretty crafty. So I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if zombie baby survived the burning house. I agree that, yeah, I could see zombie baby getting his own sequel or spinoff. However, I really just want to see a cute little family story with baby intestine. <laughs> so I would revive baby intestine with the little hand. So baby intestine survives. Yeah, so somehow Baby Intestine survived. Maybe it like regenerated after it was chopped up or something. Yeah. And they get a they get a spin-off. So it's like a family comedy. Yeah. Zombie Zombie Intestine. <laughs> Does it have Bombs. like an 80s sitcom uh intro song? Yeah, and he's wearing like a little Walkman with little headphones and he's jamming out. <laughs> it's really cute. And it probably gets canceled after one season probably gets canceled half a season through but you still get at least six episodes so it's it's not a movie it's a tv show it's a tv show okay that yeah that makes sense yeah yeah I can it was see so cute it got a tv show that got canceled after six episodes <laughs> but you will watch those six episodes gladly yeah <laughs> getting into hijinks okay so my question for you about dead alive is how would you feel if this movie were remade or rebooted Hmm. Do you think that it could be remade? You know, anything can be remade. Anything can, and they tend to do that. It might not be a good idea, but if Peter Jackson wanted to remake this, I think he could. Hmm. Bigger budget, more blood, more More guts. blood, more lumpy puppets. Yeah, more over the top. I think he could do it. Do you think he would use CGI? No, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. <laughs> He wouldn't dare. So, yeah, if Peter Jackson wanted to remake this, I would applaud that choice. I don't know. What do you, what do you think? I'm opposed to any remakes. Would you be OK with like a sequel? It could be fun just to see what they do with a um, with a reboot sequel. A reboot? Yeah. yeah. Um, so maybe it's like and there's another rat monkey. It wreaks havoc in another town somewhere else. Yeah. Could be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Could be fun. Moving on to our overall blockbuster rating. Is this a staff pick, a main shelf, a bargain bin, or a back alley dumpster? Also, all these are quite easy for me. Yeah. This is a staff pick. This is um, one of, like, I just got hired at Blockbuster, 
And before I even signed my W-2 and my paperwork, my start paperwork. I got my staff picks ready. <laughs> yeah, I'm just showing up with a backpack with this in it. Like, can I put this up on the shelf? And they're like, no, you don't get a staff pick until you've worked here for a year. And I'm just like, works, damn it. <laughs> you have to be a veteran. Oh, dang. Is that how it works? I don't know, but I could see myself getting shut down and then I'm devising this plot to um, break into Blockbuster at night. Make your own staff shelf wall. No. <laughs> yes and no. I was just going to um, put it on the on the staff wall when no one was looking. But Oh, <laughs> like, hey, what's this doing in, in Henry's staff picks? Like, damn, someone keeps putting dead alive, a.k.a. brain dead in Henry's staff. Why is it Henry? Oh, Henry. <laughs> Seems unassuming. In Cindy's staff pick. Rosalind really loves dead alive. <laughs> so yeah, this is 100% a staff pick. This is one of my top movies of all time. I don't think I would ever get tired of this movie. It yeah. is the blueprint to which other splatter movies should follow. So are you saying permanent staff pick? Oh, uh, yeah, permanent. It's uh, it's there. It's forever. Forever. Yeah. All right. For the duration of your employment at Blockbuster. Yeah. How many staff picks do I get? I have five. Because I don't know if I named it in my top 10 when we did our I top know. 10 episode, top 10 horror movies ever. Yeah, it was. It was definitely in on my zombie survival. Top it 10. was in your. Yeah. So if there's like zombie week, it would be in there. Your yeah. staff pick forever. For me, I think it is in my staff pick, perhaps on a more temporary and rotating basis, mm. depending on how much, you know, cathartic goo I want to see. <laughs> cathartic goo. Yeah. Then it would go in my staff pick. So I'm thinking like for at least a month, it could be my staff pick. Yeah. Yeah. Elise, did you learn any lessons? What is your concluding thoughts on Brain Dead, a.k.a. Dead Alive? Mother knows best. No. Um, <laughs> hmm. My concluding thought is that you can really anthropomorphize anything and it would be adorable, <laughs> including an esophagus with lungs and intestines. Adorable. Very adorable. Um, I would say that uh, if you're ever making a movie and you think that you should do more, do it. More (laughs) is more. More is more. More is better. (laughs) I like that. All right. Well, that about does it for this episode. Thank you again for being our patron, being one of our patrons and listening to our very first Patreon episode. Very excited. Please let us know. Give us your feedback. What else would you like to hear from us? And we will make that happen. Yep. What other movies do you want us to spill our guts about? Yeah. Cool. Thanks, guys. All right. This has been another episode of Gutted. Gutted.